It's great to have you guys with us. Um, before we jump into our new series in David, I want to give you kind of a little update. This shirt says 650K, right? Um, if you walked in here and maybe you're not familiar with Thrive or you serve and you're wearing a 650K shirt, you're thinking, what does that mean? Well, that is our vision. If you say, what's the vision of Thrive Church? It's that one you know, I say words, not really a word, but that one number, right, that tells a story. And that story is this. There's 650,000 people in Richmond who are not connected to a local church. Maybe they've been hurt or they've never been. Um, and most of those don't subscribe to any religion, right, at all. And so our vision is to reach the 650K, is to reach that person, um, right? We, at some point in time, we were all that person, and so the best way to do that, though, is for us to plant churches and resource other churches in Richmond and beyond. If you become part of Thrive Church in this community, you'll realize we're a little different than other churches. And the reason is, it's not about us. It's not about us having the, the best of everything and this is great. It's about gospel kingdom impact. That's all we're concerned about, right? So people ask all the time, how many more campuses are you going to have? I don't want any more campuses. It's like, you're right. Uh, I got a son. He's a handful. I don't want any more. <laughs> oh, the same thing is true when it comes to us. We want to plant churches and resource churches, right? So far, Thrive has planted three churches in four counting our Richmond campus out of this church. We've given coaching, resources, funds, and even people to churches. And it's amazing to see what God is doing in those churches, right? Not only that, we resource other churches and help them where they're struggling. Now, a matter of fact, this year, we'll get a chance to partner with a church in Colorado. And I get a chance to consult uh, Pastor Jeremy and his team and work with them. So how do we get to do all this? Um, it's something called the Accelerate Offering. We do every year. And we take every bit of that offering that we do up to the end of the year, and we put it directly back into other churches, not us. And so this year, I was um, to congratulate you guys, 130 people decided to give to Making Gospel Impact, 130 people, right? And we were able to raise our largest yet $28,000 to go back into church planting, missions, and resourcing other churches, Right? And so I want to say thank you for that because the vision of Thrive Church is not about us. It's about God and his kingdom, right? And you only, listen, God will bless the generous and our church wants to be generous. And so that's what we do. So thank you guys for that. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 16 this morning. We're starting a series in the life of David. Um, and David is one of those guys that hopefully you'll get a chance to really resonate with, with his ups and his downs, his successes and his failures in life. Uh, and we can't really start there, though. We're going to start with a guy named Samuel today. But before I jump into that, as Pastor Keith alluded to, this is the time for New Year's resolutions, right? Um, only 9% of people actually follow through with a New Year's resolution. 80% of people set out to make resolutions, out of the top, 50% of people who make resolutions, it's health first. We want to be healthy. That's why the gym is packed. It was packed yesterday, right? I cannot wait to march. Y'all all clear out of there. I'm kidding. <laughs> Secondly, it was, it was financial health to get you know, out of debt, to stop overspending, right? And the third highest was emotional health. Maybe see a counselor, get books to, you know, to help you with your emotional healing. But only 9% finish. And there's something about starting something new that actually, it sounds fun. It sounds, when somebody does it, it sounds really exhilarating. But I'm gonna, I want to tell you today why there's something about that new thing. There's a big reason why we don't do it. 
and why we don't follow through with it. I want to talk about that today because this guy, Samuel, he dealt with the same thing as well. Now, who was Samuel? He was the first prophet and priest ever in the kingdom of Israel. He, had, he served both offices. He was the prophet. That means God spoke to him and he spoke to Israel. You know what God said? He was the priest. So he also ran the Jewish temple there. And what happened is, at a certain point in time, Israel looked at all the other nations around the world, and they were like, man, we want a king just like the other nations. We, God's been ruling us for so many years. We want to be just like them. God's like, no, 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 I, I'm your king. This is a theocracy, right? And they're like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want a theocracy. We want a king. So what happened is, he's, it, God says, I'll let you have a king. You want it bad enough, you go get it. And he said, Samuel, I need you to go find a guy named Saul, and you're going to anoint him as the first king ever. Now, for Samuel, this was scary, but also it was exhilarating. He goes, he does this. Uh, Saul was a very tall guy, head and shoulders above the rest. And he journeys with Saul through his you know, time as a king. Now, here's the problem. Saul was a terrible king. Horrible. I mean, he disobeyed God over and over. And it wasn't just like small disobediences. It was like this guy was just blatantly disobeying God, not taking accountability, not taking responsibility over and over again, over and over again. And finally, the Lord comes to Samuel and says, this guy's kingdom's over. His time's up. It's over. He says, I, I have something different. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at Samuel today. You'll see how David gets chosen, but I want us to look at Samuel and the humanness of him. If you're new to Christianity or maybe returning to your faith, when you read the Bible, understand what's beautiful is these are human beings who struggle just like we do. And you'll see this in 1 Samuel 16. So if you have your Bibles, look at 1 Samuel 16, 1. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I've selected one of his sons to be my king. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by appearance or height, for I have rejected him. But what, last time he judged Saul, by appearance and height. So God says, don't do that. He says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge according to outward appearance, to outward things, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son uh, Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is, not the, um, uh, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen? In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are all, are all these the sons you have? They're still the youngest. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. It's like, listen, we ain't, we're not delaying at all. If you, if, you wanna get, if you wanna eat, send the son. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. I mean, the scripture opens up with this. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, this is very important, you have mourned long enough for Saul. You have mourned long enough for Saul. Meaning this, he was fixated upon Saul. And why was he? Because that was the first king that the Lord anointed for Israel. There was something special about that, right? 
He invested so much time and energy and prayer and his, listen, his stamp of approval was on Saul. He was connected to Saul. Samuel's credibility was connected to this wicked and evil king. And so people looked at Samuel like, well, how could he be a man of God? He, he chose this guy. So Samuel was in a state of mourning. And not just mourning over a death of someone. This is much different. This is a mourning over regret, over pain. I, I, I saw this this morning and I shared it to my IG story is the hardest grief you will ever have to overcome is with someone who's still alive. I'll let that sink in for a second. That's what he was facing. All the beliefs and maybe even the future fantasies he had about what Saul would be, how beautiful it would be, this tall and powerful king and what he would do. And he was in a state of mourning and grief and regret and what could have been and what should have been, and he was stuck in that. And the Lord said, I have something way better for you, and he's called, his name's David. Fill your flask and go to Bethlehem. And I want to submit to you today that some of you today, maybe even watching online, you are stuck in a season of mourning regret over Saul. And that's your life. Saul could be the things that you wish you would have done different. The relationship you wish that would have made it. The financial decision that didn't go well. Changing jobs. Now you don't like this job as much as the other one. Things with your children, what you wish you would have done. But we all have what I call the seasons of Saul where we get stuck. And we're in, on repeat, the same cycle over and over. And we're paralyzed. And for us to do what God's called us to do, for us to have the full potential of what God's called you to do, you've mourned over Saul long enough. You've been paralyzed long enough. And the Lord is calling you to step out to something new. Now, when I say something new, I don't mean that you need to have change a job or change a career, but it's a new mindset. And I want you to take this and write this down today about the new because the unknown new is going to be better than what you knew. That's what he said to David, I mean, to Samuel about David. The unknown new David is going to be much better than what you knew with Saul. But there's a problem. We don't really, the, the problem with the new thing is it's scary. I mean, I remember when I first got into health and nutrition, I'm like, man, I can't live without having a Sprite to drink. What will I ever do? I can't live without having my sweets. What will I ever do? I can't live. And now I can't imagine going back the way I used to live. And it's much better. I feel so much better. I'm gonna get to hopefully live longer and be happier. But it was scary to do that. It was scary to go to the gym I had no clue what I was doing and go lift weights and I felt incredibly insecure because I did not look the part. And I was like, man, these guys look like, they're, man, you know, it was scary. And think about for you, getting out of debt, having to actually control your spending, scary. The unknown new is scary. And it was scary for Samuel too. What if I anoint this king and the same thing happens that happened before? What if? Think about all the things that he was going through. And you have to understand that our brains cannot, and I want you to write this down, this is very important about the new, is this, we fear the unknown because our brain isn't able to understand it. Do you know your brain only knows the past? It's called neural pathways. There's these little roads in your brain and it only knows the past. And I've spoken about this before, but that's why if, again, I had a, I, the first time I ever really experienced this from someone else was, when I was in Florida, and he was my previous worship leader down there, 
We were great friends, but the first time I met him, he said, I don't think I like you. I, first, I, just, I just met him. I was giving him a ride home. His car broke down. I'm like, bro, what have I done to you? He said, well, my last pastor was bald-headed, and you said something tonight, just like he said before, and so you're just like him. His brain only knew the last guy, so he was punishing the now guy for the last guy. That's the key to all the problems in your relationships. Do you know that? You're punishing your spouse for what mom and daddy didn't do for you. Your brain only knows the past. It only knows what was there. And so it's really hard to think about this new routine, this new thing, changing your mindset because your brain's like, no, 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 no. I've seen this before. I want to be comfortable. See, your brain loves routines. The reason you have bad habits is because it's very effective. Habits are effective for your brain. If your brain can get a habit going, then it just kind of runs on autopilot. That's why it loves habits. It loves routines, even they're bad. And that's why changing it takes a lot of brain energy and rewriting your neural pathways. And it's scary to do that because your brain's like, no, 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 I, I don't know what the future, I don't know what the future is. I only know what I've seen before. And so since your brain can't comprehend it, it's really hard to make those changes. That's why somebody who's in a terrible relationship is like, I don't wanna go to anything else. Why? Because they don't know what the future holds. Their brain only knows what's routine, comfortable, and what they've experienced before. And so I want you to realize that that type of understanding, if you, if you live with that, though, and you aren't able to break that, you're going to miss what God has seen. God sees something for you much better, just like he saw for the children of God. He saw David. Samuel only saw Saul. And he said, I have something much better. But the reasons we can miss what God has seen is, number one, we are fixated on how things used to be. The number one thing that will destroy anything in your life is keep looking in the past about what you liked and you didn't like. Glory days will destroy your best days. Well, I like how this used to be. That's your biggest problem right there. And you, you saying that will destroy that because you will grow, you will evolve, you will change. The biggest thing about marriage is when you marry somebody, they won't be the same person in 20 years. You're gonna wake up and say, you've changed, exactly. You will never be able to go back to the past. We love to do that. We're fixated on how things used to be. That's exactly what Saul was in. He was fixated on, I mean, Samuel was fixated on Saul. And you have to understand that you can't do that. Think about this, the children of Israel, freed from slavery, from Egypt. Isn't that beautiful? And they get mad at Moses because they're not, they don't, they weren't, they're not being fed like they were in slavery. And they're like upset. We wish we were back in Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt. Why would they ever want to go back to Egypt? Because their brain couldn't comprehend the promised land. It only knew, even though it was painful, the thing they experienced before. So we get fixated on things used to be. And if you get fixated on how it used to be, you'll never walk into what could be. Uh, the second thing I want you to understand how we can miss what God is seeing, we are only looking with our natural eyes. He told Samuel, he said, listen, you can't look for Saul the same way you looked for David. And that's what he did. He walked in looking in the same way, but Samuel was smart enough to listen to God. And so many times when you're looking with your natural eyes, you're seeing things just with what you can see. You're not operating with the eyes of faith. Faith believes and sees what could be because of the power of our God. Our God can do the impossible. 
Yes, he can. Our God performs miracles. Yes, he can. And I want you to understand that, but our brain is not geared to that, so that's why we have to operate in faith and hope. The third reason that we can miss what God is seeing, we aren't listening to what God is saying to us. And I wanna spend some time on that for the rest of the message this morning. Because if you're gonna walk in the unknown new, you've gotta know what the Lord is saying to you. Not what your friends are saying, not what social media is saying to you. You've gotta know what the Lord is saying to you, not what your past says to you. And we can miss that, and that's what Samuel did. He listened to the Lord. And here's the thing, as long as you are seen with your eyes, you will miss what God is saying. Think about Elisha has this young servant and he's sitting there with this young servant and Elisha's making, you know, making some dinner and getting things ready and the servant looks out and sees this whole army ready to kill him and Elisha. I mean, he's just like, we're surrounded. He's like, man, I am, he was worried, he was upset, he was shaking. He's like, oh, what are we gonna do? And he said, I wish the Lord would open your eyes to see what I see. He said, Lord, Lord, open his eyes to see what I see. He looked out and he saw angels encamped all about that outnumbered that army. He said, oh, we're gonna be okay. Because he saw with his, with his eyes of faith. He didn't see with just natural eyes. Stop. If you keep looking at just the natural and what is, you'll never see what God can do in a situation. And he opened that boy's eyes up. It's like, it's like Men in Black. If you ever watched the first Men in Black, Will Smith is like, what are we gonna do, man? There's an intergalactic spaceship going to restore the universe. What are we gonna do? Tom Lee Jones says, son, there's always an intergalactic spaceship going to destroy the universe. And it's our job to stop it. He wasn't worried. He wasn't. And the same way, same thing happened with Elisha and the servant. I want to say that to you today. May the Lord open your eyes to see his power and to see what he can do in your situation more than what you're just seeing in it. Amen? That he would do that with you. So what are we going to do? And I want you to Write this down. We're going to learn to follow the word of God into the will of God. There's two ways you're going to hear from God. Primarily, it's through the Bible. Open it up and read it. Yeah, you're not going to understand everything, but the Lord will show you and reveal to you what you are meant to understand at the time. Open the scriptures up. Let, let him do But through that, you know also what the Lord does? The Lord speaks to your heart. Some of you don't trust yourself enough you were gaslighted your whole life, taught not to trust yourself or your decisions by parents who knew no better. And you're like, oh, was that really God? I don't show. I'm telling you, the more you exercise, I talked about in November about learning the will of God, the more you exercise your spirit and your mind to hear the Lord through scripture, the more you'll know what the Lord is saying to you. It's amazing. I, 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 like I know when God speaks to me. I don't hear an audible voice, but I know it. I'm like, that was the Lord. I better listen. And if you're gonna live the will of God in your life, and to the things that he has for you, you've got to learn to follow the word of God into the will of God. You'll never find the will of God without the word of God. It won't happen. You'll stumble, you'll go the same circles over and over and over, but you'll never tap in to this thing where you believe that you know you're in the will of God. See, it's, it's funny, Isaiah 30, 21 is one of the first verses I ever learned to memorize. Isaiah 30, 21 is interesting because the children of Israel at that time were going through exile the northern kingdom through Assyria. And Assyria was wicked. That's like the guys that Jonah worked with in Nineveh. That was the capital of Assyria. They were so wicked, they would go through the towns. They would take the women and children out. They would bury the men up to their, up to their necks and cut their tongues out and leave them there. They were wicked. 
Then the Lord allowed Assyria to come in and take Israel from the northern kingdom up to Assyria to exile. And that's why Jonah hated them. Jonah's like, I don't want to preach to those jokers. Man, what things they're doing, what they did to my family, I ain't preaching to them. And so during that, though, God sent this prophet named Isaiah, just like Samuel was a prophet, to speak to the children of Israel. And what he tells them in the previous verses in Isaiah 30, 21 is that you're going to eat of the bread of affliction and you're going to go through the waters of adversity. Um, can I just tell you this in 2024? Welcome to Thrive Church because you're going to go through and you're going to eat the bread of affliction and you're going to go through the waters of adversity. It's going to happen. It will happen. But here's the promise in that. And I love this promise. And guys, I use this. This is, a, this is what I, that I, I quote all the time to myself. He tells them, your own ears will hear him. Some of you have never heard the word, the, the, the word of the Lord to you. You've never experienced God speaking to your heart. You're gonna hear that. There's some decisions you gotta make. Some of you need, need to walk out of some things and some of you need to walk into some things. He says, your own ears will hear him. Not, not the pastor telling you, but you will. He says, right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. The word of God and to the will of God. And that's what Samuel had to do. He was mourning over Saul. He was stuck in his past. He was paralyzed. And God said, I have David for you. And so there's three things we're gonna have to do to do that. Number one, we gotta let go. Can you, can you let go of Saul? Let go of that season. Let go of the regrets. Let go of the failure. Let go of the things that happened to you that weren't your fault. Let go of the tragedies in your life, the cry. You've gotta let go of that season. How do I do that? You need to sit down with it and let it go. The Lord of the day was like literally speaking this to my heart because resentment, fear, regret, those things, the Lord kind of, I don't have time to get into it, was just speaking to my heart about it. I had a dream, it was like crazy, man. I was like, and I woke up doing exactly what it was. I was like, wow, this never happens to me. I'm not one of these real spiritual people. Welcome to Thrive, but I'm like, you know, and I had this dream. And the Lord said, he said, you've got to, to, physically, you've got to physically hold your hands out, close your eyes, and release that just like you would release a dove, or release a bird to be free. And you can't keep grabbing a bird once it's gone. Let go. Samuel had to let go of Saul. I don't know what Saul is for you, but you gotta let it go and stop making the people in your life right now pay for what Saul did to you. They're not Saul. The second thing that we have to do is this, listen. Once you let go, listen for the Lord in your life, through his word, in your heart, and through other people, right? Listen to the Lord. Samuel had to listen to God. And God said, listen, you're not gonna find David like you found Saul, because this time you're gonna hear my voice in a way you've never heard it. And the final thing this morning he had to do was look. Listen, guys, we have a new year upon us. I'm not one of these you know, new year, new me people, but there is something that is a fresh start about a new year, right? There is something, it's like, you know, it's like all of us, you know, the, the 31 fans in the NFL that aren't gonna, our team's not gonna win this year. It's like, it's like Cowboy fans, you're gonna lose in the playoffs again. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, listen, I'm a Commanders fan. We lose every year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going back to my, my Dolphins. I used to pull for back 10 years ago. I'm going to pull for them, right? But there's something hopeful about a new year, a new season. And I want you to be hopeful and look. You're going to let go. You're going to listen to God. Listen, go to the Bible app and download the one-year Bible plan. You can listen to it in the car. That's what I do if you can't read it. 
listen to what the word of the Lord has to say to you. He has good things for you. You are worthy of blessing. You are worthy of the good things God has for you. And then you gotta look, look, keep your spiritual eyes open and look for what God is going to do. Even in your misery, in your adversity, remember the, the bread of affliction, the waters of adversity, that's when you hear God. He didn't say on the mountaintop of life. He said, when you're going through that, that's when you hear God speak because that's when you're most attuned to that. And that's my heart for you, man. Like I, like I want you guys in 2024 to experience the Lord in a way you never have before. And that's my prayer for you. And I wanna pray for you this morning. Father, this morning I lift up every person that's sitting in here and those online that we would let go of Saul. We would let go of the previous season we would let go of the regrets, the failures, the past, the, the, the things that didn't make it, didn't work, the things that happened to us that are unfortunate. We don't understand why. May we listen to what you're saying to us, God, during our season where it's, a, where it's the bread of affliction and the waters of adversity. May we listen to what you're saying to our hearts. May we slow down this year sit in your presence. May we just soak in your word and stop living with offense, stop living with, with being upset and jealous, everybody, all these emotions. May we just let your word soak into our heart. And God, I pray for these people here. Let us look with eyes of faith, with expectation, with eyes of hope of what you are going to do in our lives, Father. I pray that in the mighty, holy name of Jesus. And as we're praying today, maybe in this new year, your next step is to either return to faith in Christ. Maybe you walked away. Maybe you did your own thing, and it's fine. God's not mad with you. He's not upset with you. He never has been. He loves you. Maybe you've walked 30,000 steps away, but you're ever only one step from your heavenly Father. And so today, I want to give you this opportunity that whether you walked away or you've never done this, it is giving your life to Christ fully, surrendering to him so you can hear him and do his will. And he's going to help you forgive. He's going to help you forget. He's going to help you move on from the season of Saul. He's going to forgive you and wipe away your sins. And you have a new start with him. If you want to do that this morning, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I need Jesus. I surrender my life to Christ. I turn from my old life. I leave that old life behind. And I receive new life. For I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me to leave my previous season and to walk into your new season. In Jesus' good name we pray, amen.